The following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Other Wrestling Show. My name is Joel and I'm here as always with Mike and we're going to break down the week that was in All Elite Wrestling Dynamite starting as we always do with Stock Up, Stock Down. Stock Up, Stock Down. All right, Joel, I wanted to start with my main man who I always talk about every week. He is the hangman page for you, Christian Cage. And this was interesting. So the bad guys, the elite, they got their victory. And then out comes Christian uh, with backup with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. And first off, did you laugh when he called uh, Don Callis a carny? What do you call him? A carny? Jagoff, uh, Connie. No, what do you say before that? Like he piece changed. Shit. Yes, when he said "you carny piece of shit," I, I laugh. I, it's it wasn't an inherently funny thing to say, but just like him coming right out of the gate, like "you carny piece of shit," just really, really got me. But the big reveal here is that Christian Kenny Omega is the main event for All Out for the AEW uh, World Championship. But Christian had a surprise with an old friend and name drop Scott Demore, which is bringing me back to my old TNA viewership days. But Christian will face off against Kenny Omega in the first ever Rampage match for the Impact Championship. Joel, what do you think about us getting a two Kenny Omega Christian matches here in the next few weeks? And the fact that uh, Christian's challenging for the Impact title this Friday. So I, I see this going one of two ways, and I think both of them are interesting in their own merit. So scenario number one, we see interference by the elite leading to Christian losing this first match, which sets up a stipulation for the all-out match between Christian Cage and Kenny Omega. That, I think, is the basic and boring version. Mm-hmm. So if we get that, fine. We're still going to get a great christian kenny match this is just a warm-up a way to pop the rating by putting a heavyweight championship on the line on the first episode of this new show to start off the show which i think is actually really important for a show that's coming on so late um i have like a standing weekly social event on friday nights (laughs) I might still be able to watch this show because it comes on so late. late. It is so late. And I have a feeling, Joel, that you're going to steal my fantasy booking here. I I think I know you will. So I want to hear this. And if I react, it's because you stole my idea. So option two, which I think is the interesting angle, is that Christian, a former Impact Heavyweight Champion who had one of his best runs of his career as Impact Heavyweight Champion, wins the belt, and then All Out is winner take all yeah and i think that's a great way to go here and a way to give christian a title and start rebuilding that legacy that he talks about so much he's talked about winning championships plural so i think that's the interesting way to go and i'm pumped i'm really excited for both of these matches because these are two wrestlers who are experienced and creative and we'll be able to give us two matches that have a distinctly different feel each mm-hmm. time. Yeah, so like 95% of what my fantasy booking was going to be, but I'm going to add one more thing to this, Joel. 
because not only is Kenny Omega going to be defending the Impact Championship this Friday, he will be defending the AAA Mega Championship in Mexico against Andrade here soon as well. My fantasy booking is Kenny loses both. Kenny loses both of his ti- both titles outside of the AEW Championship match. And then you go into All Out with Kenny as the desperate champion, the caged animal, if you will, the desperate champion. And we see a different Kenny. We see a different type of match. It could be winner take all. Like it could be the belt goes back to Kenny. Um, but I think the idea of having Kenny being in a vulnerable state after we've seen the elite basically be untouchable for what, six months now, like they have gone over everyone, every single time there's been something like a match, a segment, whatever. And I think it'd be a nice kind of thing of like to be able to show Kenny kind of fall more into his madness, his paranoia because he has suffered a loss so that's what i would do because you have you have all these belts on kenny use them for storyline reasons especially if you have the 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 okay from the other promotions that he owns these titles for like it can make what i think a lot of people probably would have looked at kenny omega christian as the all-out main event as kind of okay not me of course not you of course but i think the you generally would see does christian really deserve this spot and it just makes it way more interesting in, um, in my, my point of view. So that's how I would do it. But I'm glad we're on the same page here, Joel. Um, and yeah, this is, you know, they made a big deal of, you know, uh, was it Cody wrestled in the first ever Dynamite match? And they made a big deal about Sammy Guevara wrestling the first ever AEW pay-per-view match. So it is important that the first ever Rain Page match is a big match. And also, I'm glad that the women's uh, title is still the main event. Like we're they're keeping that in place. So overall, big win, big big stock up here for me. I'm really excited about this. Uh, so fun trivia moment here. Do you remember who was in the first ever AEW match? I don't recall. I Kip Sabian, Sammy, yeah, Sammy Guevara and Kip Sabian, and Sammy Guevara, yeah, yeah. Sammy Guevara in his lone appearance in AEW with the panda head (laughs) and we only saw him uh was that a few weeks earlier at wrestlemania weekend we saw sammy Guevara at uh Mm -hmm. wrestlecon that was the first time we had ever seen him wrestle and he made an impression he was really good Mm -hmm. and then he popped up in AEW and we were both hyped about it yep yep so yeah um yeah joel what what are you, are you excited for Rampage? I'm starting to get pretty hyped. These these first few weeks of the show are going to be pretty big. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm really going to try to watch, probably not live, but I might be live by the end, you know, catching yeah. up on DVR, skipping over commercials. Um, I'm definitely going to try to watch these on Friday night for these first couple of weeks, just because they, they feel important. Yeah. And yeah. they've done a good job of building up these matches making it feel like this is not going to be the B show. This is not going to be the show that where nothing of consequence happens. Mm-hmm. So as long as it's vital, uh, I'll, I'll be tuning in. Yeah, same. And I, I, do you have any expectations for like aesthetic differences, like stage or commentary? Like, I feel like they could do this a little differently to make it feel unique, but Honestly, I haven't watched Elevation or Darks much, so I don't really know if there's anything different about those shows. 
visually they look the same. I, I think part of that is because they're recorded at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I would like to see something done to make Rampage look and feel different. Commentary I'm nervous about. Who's the commentary team again? It's Mark so they've, Henry. They've advertised a four-person booth. Uh-oh. Of uh -oh. <laughs> Excalibur, Taz, Mark Henry, and Chris Jericho. Uh, is that like permanent I, or is that for the first one? No, that's like the announce team. And so I, I actually Shit. think this could be good. Um, and hear me out here because I know I am typically like the <laughs> loudest voice critiquing Jericho on commentary. But if this is Jericho's role on the show and he's not doing shtick while on commentary, he can be really good. And we've seen that before. So I think with the guiding hands of Taz and Excalibur, who are, you know, incredibly experienced as pro wrestling commentators and very, very good together. I think they can rein in Jericho a bit. And I, I'm sure I am certain that Mark Henry is going to be amazing on commentary. Yeah. yeah. And if Jericho just overspeaks, just have Mark Henry, just give him the world's the world's strongest slam through a table. I think we're, we would all support that. So, um, yeah, I, I'm excited, Joel. It's it's gonna be fun. Uh, I don't know if I'll watch every week, but honestly, if I go, like, if I hang out with friends, I usually don't do things on Friday because I'm just so tired from the work week. So there's a chance I will be watching uh, Rampage, hopefully live most weeks, but we'll see. And for our 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 for the podcast, unless something crazy happens, we most likely would just cover Rampage on the following week. So. Like if there was a rampage last Friday, we would cover rampage and dynamite on today's show. So just an FYI, maybe if CM Punk debuts next week, maybe we'll do that, but we'll see. Um, all right, Joel, let's, uh, let's move on to, uh, I think one of the highlights, maybe the MVP of the show and Dante Martin in that opening trios match with Mike and Matt Seidel versus the elite. He dude, did did he just level up recently? Because <laughs> like he's been good. He looked phenomenal this week. I think the difference was who he was in the ring with, because I think he's been that good, but he's out there with some of the best wrestlers on the planet mm -hmm. and going up against the young bucks, going up against uh, Kenny Omega. Those are guys who know how to, do all of these moves, right? So in terms of receiving his offense, in terms of making his evasions look good, there's no one who's going to do better. There are people who could do it as well, but no one's going to do it better. So this was basically the peak of what we've seen from him so far. He's freakishly athletic and mm -hmm. everything looks effortless. I think that's what impresses me the most is how he'll do these crazy jumps and flips and land and look light on his feet. His recovery time is like nil. It's amazing. He also looked bigger than I thought. Like he was like as tall as Kenny Omega, like maybe even taller than the bucks. Like, I don't know whether it's just been who he's been wrestling or just seeing him. Like he passed the Orton test. <laughs> if Kenny Omega is like the, and, Cody Rhodes, like our Orton's and AEW, like he passed a test, he belongs. But yeah, it, it just the way everything was so seamless. It was so smooth. Like even just his, 
ring transitions. Like he did this little thing where like he just put his hand on the apron and just kind of flipped himself back into the ring. Like it was nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, the dude's in- insanely talented. And I-, I also like, he looks to be more defined, like better shape. I wonder if this is kind of the similar, like one year bump we saw from jungle boy. We saw from orange Cassidy, Sammy Guevara of being in AEW full time and getting just to train and not having to bust your ass traveling seven days a week. So um, yeah, this was awesome. Like this, this match was, I, I don't know, Joel, we've talked about this before. Trio matches are a great way to start off a show because yeah. they're just chaos, they're energy. And this is going to kind of bleed into another topic we wanted to talk about, Joel. And we've been getting a lot of trios lately, a lot of trio matches. There's been hints of a new title in the works. I think a trios division in AEW would be amazing, especially because we're going to have an extra hour of TV a week. I I think this is the perfect time to debut this type of championship. What are your thoughts here, Joel? I have two thoughts. One of which is I'm I'm on the record as saying, I think a mid card women's title would be Mm -hmm. a great thing to have. Uh, But a trios title is also a great option. And trios is the perfect venue to start exploring intergender wrestling. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lucha underground had, the team of Ivelisse and Angelico and Son of Havoc, uh, who uh, we've seen in his alter ego in <laughs> AEW. Um, he doesn't so, exist anymore, Joel. He's wiped off the face of the earth. <laughs> Matt Cross. Um, so, but they were trios champions in Lucha Underground, and it just works. Like, it's a great way to incorporate. Uh, women into a title picture and I think it'd be a really cool option. So uh, the the caveat to my, I think a mid-card women's title would be the thing to go with for a new title is that if women are allowed to be a part of trios groups that hold the belts, uh, then I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think trios is super fun, uh, but establish the rules to make it just a little bit different, give it a slightly different flavor from just a tag team match where there are three people on each side. Mm -hmm. I think that's the challenge with some of the trios belts that have been put in place in other companies is that they're not using Lucha rules, which essentially means when the legal person is thrown out of the ring, anyone from that team can enter the ring and become the legal person. So those rules change the pace, they change the spots, they change the logic, and it creates a different style of match that has its own flavor. That's what I want to see from a trio's title. Well, it's interesting you mentioned like specific rules for this type of title. We see that with not as, you know, uh, dramatic, but the TNT title is always a 20-minute time limit match. Like, there's always... 20 minute time limit when they defend NJPW belts in AW, there's the 20 second count out, not the 10 second count out. So they adjust the, uh, the rules based off the title at hand. So I do think that'd be, um, a great way to do it. Cause it'd be different than just the tag team titles. And also, you know, they have their rankings. They have like the structure. It'd be very easy on the very first trios, like championship tournament. You just show a graphic, here are the rules. And you just remind them every single week, every single week, because I remember the first time I watched a uh, like a Lucha Libre style trios match, I was confused as hell. I was like, I have no idea who is legal. I have no idea what was going on. And that was, you know, that was a small indie show. 
But if you made a point to kind of put those rules out in the open and make that a part of the division, uh, I think it would work really well. And in a similar vein to like getting women involved with this thing, I what I've always loved about the trios uh, titles is that you can sometimes get these teams where it's not necessarily a full team. Like tonight, you had the Seidel brothers and then Dante Martin. Like you can establish a group without having to have this long history with each other. Say, hey, we just need a third person. And you can get other wrestlers into these stories where maybe you get magic like you had tonight with Dante Martin. Like Dante Martin with the Seidel brothers works because they work ace the same style. They are all incredibly athletic. I never thought I would say in a tag team, Matt Seidel might be the second most athletic person on the team because Dante Martin may have him beat. Um, so yeah, I think it'd just be a, a, a great tool. And we already have established trios that would work. We have the elite. We have Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, and Marco Stunt, or, or Christian, if you want an adult. Um, you have any combination from the Hardy family office. You know, so there's a lot Dark of- Dark Order could put together- Dark Order, yeah, Several trios teams, all yeah. of which would be super fun. Exactly. And then- Oh, fucking uh, 2.0 and um, was it Danny Garcia? Yeah. Like they are, they're an incredible trio that we've seen twice and I'm already sold on them. So I, I think it could work. I think uh, if it, if it's done the way that we've outlined, I think it would be really successful. And it just seems like it can't be a coincidence. We've had this many trios matches in the last two or three weeks. Like it can't, like it just seems we've had a ton. So. And I think trios matches are such a like, indie flavor and mm-hmm. all of the wrestlers in the company I have mean, experience yes. working trios matches and keeping them high energy it's something you put on to pop the crowd and get people re-engaged mm-hmm. after a slower paced match and i think it's useful not only in the week to week of dynamite but also to bring up the energy level in the crowd for the pay-per-view after some of these you know, slower paced, more story built matches. So I'm all for it. Yeah. And one last thing on this match too, like we talked about Dante Martin and (laughs) gave him all the praise, but like what, what another example of AW putting a young guy in a position to succeed, like in the other wrestling company or a lot of other wrestling companies, I would always get nervous when they put a young guy, young gal in a big spot. Cause I didn't know every time if they were going to be able to stick the landing. And it just feels every time they put someone in one of these showcase spots, not only do they deliver, they like exceed expectations. It's to the point now when we talk about who could be, you know, who's the next jungle boy in AEW that two years from now we're saying, well, what a start. I think Dante Martin from this match alone just jumped into that discussion and it doesn't feel absurd. Yeah, agreed. Uh, lots else to talk about on this show. Why don't we transition into lightning round and we'll get it started. Lightning round. Joel, uh, let's start here with the the main event. Um, Your favorite wrestler, Wardlow, versus Chris Jericho in the fourth labor of Jericho. Um, Not as fun for me compared to the previous labors we've seen, but nonetheless, we are getting our Jericho-MJF match next week. And he can't use the Judas effect and he can't come out to Judas. That is the most evil thing I've ever seen a wrestler do saying you can't come out to your theme music. Like that's so funny. And I, 
two thumbs up for that. I love that. That's a face <laughs> turn in my book. <laughs> I can't stand Judas. I know you can't. Well, you know what's going to happen. The fans are going to sing it anyways. They are. The one mercy is that the fans actually don't suck at singing along. And, and so often crowds are just awful at singing along to things. And uh, I, I will give credit. Like, they don't suck at singing Judas. I think it's a very <laughs> sing-alongable song. It is. Um, it is. It's, it's, very, uh, it's very corporate mainstream there, Jericho. You fucking sell out. I think... <laughs> Um, I'm actually really pleased with how this match was put together. And I thought Wardlow was pretty well protected here. Mm -hmm. Uh, you don't want him to lose his reputation and he lost this match because of MJF. Yep. MJF saying, no, keep beating him up. This, you know, the punishment must continue. And he could have won the match multiple times, but he had to keep, putting the boots to Jericho and eventually Jericho got an opening Wiley veteran status achieved and he wins the match. So, you know, thumbs down MJF, you failed here. You let mm -hmm. your buddy down. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about kind of protecting Warlow in a loss here. So, but yeah, I thought he looked really good. And, uh, the post-match, you know, kerfuffle, I've never heard that big a pop for fucking Jake Hager. So I don't, I don't know what to do with my wrestling credentials anymore. <laughs> like, I, just, <laughs> I, I mean, they were going to pop for anyone who came out to make the save at that point. That's how much people hate MJF right now. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, he he's he's killer right now. So, OK, Joel, what do you got for me in lightning round? Uh, I, I'm going to go. This may surprise you. I'm going to go to the QT Marshall apology oh, segment. You stole mine. <laughs> I, I really dug this. I thought it was super fun. I think QT Marshall is a tremendous heel. And uh, we got Paul White coming out, choke slamming people, looking weird. It was great. <laughs> hey, man, that was the best looking choke slam I've seen from the big show in like a decade. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't need no like WMD punch. Like, I just want to fucking choke slam someone to hell. And uh, Aaron, Aaron Solo fucking jumped for that one. Like, <laughs> he got up. It's just, I'm so, like, I, I think I still have this idea in my head of what Paul White, formerly The Big Show's, proportions are. Mm -hmm. And he has clearly slimmed down and lost yeah. a lot of weight and looks very different. Yep. But he's still gigantic. <laughs> and so it's this bizarre experience of thinking, oh, he looks pretty small. And then you catch yourself thinking that and you're like, no, he doesn't. He's enormous <laughs> and it's just this show. weird thing going on in your head. And that's, that's what I couldn't take my focus off of the entire time. Yeah. And, and then this leads to a uh, big, sorry, Paul white. I'm going to keep calling. Um, fuck it. He's the big show in my eyes. If this leads to his first match in AW and it's a funny comedy squash match of QT Marshall, then I, I'm, I'm totally fine with it. Like, like honestly, we don't, we talk about like all out and AW pay-per-views being really long, just throwing a four minute squash match of the big <laughs> show with QT Marshall. Like, remember when like Dustin beat Sean Spears in like three minutes and like pants them. I want that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I agree, Joel. This was fun. And I think it's, it might just be the nostalgia in me here. Um, but yeah, I, I was, I was a big fan of this. <laughs> it was, it was rather great. Um, so I'm going to go with Britt Baker rocking terrible towels 
and Pittsburgh Steeler esque gear. You know me, I hate the Steelers, but it works for her. It works for her. Uh, I'm real excited for this match with her and Red Velvet on Friday. And just what a pop, man. It's nice seeing like the hometown crowd pop again since we haven't had that in a yeah. you know a year and a half. And I feel like this is the biggest like homecoming we've seen so far, like since they've gone back on the road. So like just hearing the crowd react to her was awesome. And them booing the shit out of red velvet. Like, yeah, it's so tough, right? Cause Brit is the heel and she's yep. so over. Yep. It, it, it kind of <laughs> gives you like Bret Hart in Canada vibes yeah. where he was, he was the heel in the U S no matter what city they were in. And then he'd go to, you'd go to Canada and it was like, you know, opposite day. Uh, I was super impressed by this promo because it's a rare instance where in a promo, you can talk about the professional sports teams not doing very well. Yeah. And the crowd is like sympathizing with you because they know you're a fan and it's like, you're (laughs) suffering right along with this. And then when she's like, I present you hope and she holds up the title. It's like, that's amazing. I love it. Yeah. It it, it was really good. And, yeah, the benefit, I guess, is that if you're AEW creative, is you just have to worry about one city. You don't have to worry about a whole fucking country like Bret Hart. <laughs> like, it's true. You know? <laughs> because they went to a lot of places in Canada with, with Bret Hart. So, um, yeah, what do, you, what do you got for me, buddy? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go to another one that, w- that might surprise you here. And we got another fantastic Miro promo. But... The angle that I'm really interested in is that if Fuego wins this match, <laughs> Fuego gets a, a a contract, and I'm I am hoping beyond hope that Fuego finds a way to win this match in like a non-title transfer sort of way because I don't want the belt to come oh, off of Miro, yeah. but I do want Fuego to get a contract, and I think it would be fantastic. And then Miro would get so angry. That he would demand or, a rematch <laughs> and, you know, put his title back on the line again and just absolutely demolish Fuego. But at that point, the damage is done. Fuego gets a contract. That's what I want. I, I think Miro should just straight up kick him in the balls and cut a promo and be like, I am a loving God and I gave you what you want. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Get our first DQ finish in, yeah, in AEW like, history. Yeah, but Miro plays off like, you know, I because he's basically like the voice of God. And you can say my God is a is a loving God. And while most weeks I, I dole out vengeance this week, I am giving you what you want. And then, and then he just proceeds to murder Fuego del Sol later. But good for him, man, to be able and that's that like to be on the first episode of Rampage. Like, I think there's only going to be three matches on this card. And we got some big fucking names here. Kenny Omega, Christian Cage, Miro, Britt Baker, Fuego Del Sol. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. He's so over, though. The fans love Fuego. He is. I think Andrade got more heat off of beating up Fuego last week than from anything else that he's done since coming into the company. Did you you hear the crowd when Malachi Black attacked Cody and then kicked Fuego Del Sol in the face? The crowd reacted more to Fuego getting kicked than Cody getting kicked. Like, like the people they love give, Fuego. Give the people yeah, what they want. Give them what they want. <laughs> Batista, are you going to give me what I want? Yeah. Um, 
yeah, either that was that was wonderful. Um, I, I mentioned it earlier, but Scott Demore being on commentary and being name dropped, that was just a blast from the past. That that's crazy. And I was reading, he like he works for Impact, but like his contract is like super special. Like he's a contractor consultant. Like he's not actually like under contract at to like the company, if that makes sense. Like he's not like an Anthem employee. So I wonder if that's like, I just find that interesting that he, and apparently he's had that type of contract with them forever. It's basically the same thing that Don Callis was doing when he had an arrangement with impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause they came in at the same time the new owner brought them in to kind of turn things around. And honestly, I think they did. I mean, impact is so much more respected since rebranding and no longer being TNA. Uh, It's a legit brand now in a way that, you know, if AEW didn't exist, ring of honor and impact are probably the two things I would be watching the most because there's no weekly NJPW show for me to watch. And, and it makes it hard to follow. So yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah. I, and I'm just going back to those. Cause I, I, my like biggest TNA era was in that like Oh four Oh five range. Like I would watch it on, what was it? It was like, it was like when raw went to USA and spike took uh, TNA. So like, I remember watching quite a bit right, right back then. And I remember Scott Namora being a pretty big presence on the show. So just, just cool to see him, see him in AEW. We'll see if anything more grows from this. It's kind of wild. Like a few years ago, Impact was on the TV Guide channel. (laughs) Yeah. Like legitimately, you would tune in and Impact would be in the top right corner of your screen. And the other three quarters of the screen was the fucking TV Guide channel. Yeah. They've come so far in such a short time. (laughs) Yeah. Was that you or is that me? No, that, that was, was you. Um, okay. I, I got to talk about Danny Garcia versus Darby Allen because this match was great. And I like that they didn't give us too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought this match could have been significantly longer given these two competitors. Uh, and I like that they kind of kept it short, put Darby Allen over. And, you know, we're now going to get this Darby Allen and Sting versus 2.0 tag team match coming up. So that's exciting. But man, Danny Garcia is really, really impressive. I saw a clip of him doing this really gnarly submission hold on Twitter. And it's like he does a butterfly lock with his legs on his opponent's arms while he's sitting on their back and then arches his back backwards and puts their (laughs) their his opponent's legs in this like little cross hold and then just basically flexes to torque their body. And it, it just looks brutal. So Joel, I don't know if you, you were kind of following some of the indie stuff over the weekend, but apparently, uh, Willa Yuta and, and Daniel Garcia had a 60 minute Ironman match, uh, this weekend that people calling like the best indie match of all time. Wow. Like apparently it was just fucking nuts and they are 24 and 22 years old. So wow. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try and hunt down. Uh, did I say? Is it? Did I say Wheeler Yuta? Is it Yuta Wheeler? I can't. Remember. It's Wheeler Yuta. Okay. Okay. I said it right. Um, so yeah, it was. Uh, I think it was on like IWTV. So I'm gonna try and hunt this down because 
all everything I've seen about it is just like it's a game changer match. And apparently Wheeler Yuta also had a WWE tryout recently. Um, and apparently he blew them away. So nice that AEW seems to have secured him here. So yeah, man, a lot of really talented young guys, young girls in this uh this this company. Like there's so much fucking talent. It's it's amazing. Um, I'm gonna move on here though, Joel. Um trying to think if I have really much of anything left to talk about. Oh, yeah, I do. Uh that <laughs> that Malachi Black promo was really good. The little video package and him like having Cody's boot and basically like, yeah, you have one foot in the grave. I'll let me know. What was it? Let me know when you want the other one. <laughs> like, yeah. Um like just really really good work from him here. The only bit that didn't make sense to me was when he was talking about, you know, and you're you're going on and on and talking and the volume is getting lower and lower. And then you realize that you're arguing with God. That didn't make sense to me. I thought it should have been arguing with yourself. Hey, man, he's teasing the inevitable tag team with Miro and there'll be God's favorite tag team. <laughs> I sure the hope kicks not. on that. The kicks on that team, man, would be devastating. So I want to see kicks. Miro versus Malachi Black, not yeah. Miro tagging with Malachi Black. I guess that would be fun too. Um, also, did you hear that loud, loud CM Punk chant at the beginning of the show when uh, it was like Christian and Don Callis cutting promos and just like this wave of CM Punk chants just came over the crowd and crashed into the ring and then it just went away. Well, they mentioned Rampage, and I think people are now just associating Rampage with CM (laughs) Punk. And I also think there's a decent possibility that all we hear from the crowd, like the only thing that's going to be consistent between now and All Out is CM Punk chants. Like it's going to be on every show. Regardless, they'll find a way to shoehorn a CM Punk chant into the show. Hey, at least this time, like, we feel that we're actually going to get CM Punk. Like, it's not like, fuck. Remember when that Iron Man match between Seth Rollins and uh, Dolph Ziggler was ruined because the crowd chanted 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 every fucking minute? That was awful. Yeah, like, at least at least there seems to be some merit to this type of chant. So I'm, I'm cool with it. Unless CM Punk doesn't show up, and then it's going to be fucking hell. They're going to burn down the United Center. And he was on some sort of like video podcast this week and they were asking him, are you going to be in Ra- like at the United Center for Rampage on the 20th? He's like, "What? what's that date again? The 20th? Let me check my calendar. It's like, you know, we might be doing a a screening of heels that night. So I, I just don't know. I probably won't. Like, like <laughs> <laughs> you liar, CM Punk. You liar. I am not getting worked by you. So... <laughs> Sorry, I went on a little tangent there. You got anything else in lightning round, man? Uh, I think we've touched on everything that I wanted to to go over. Uh, this was a good episode, and I think good episodes lend themselves to just not having as much that I feel the need to talk about and critique. So yeah. uh, good stuff. Oh, I will throw out my <laughs> spot of the night. Uh, okay. Surprisingly enough, did not come from the first match. It came in the Nyla Rose versus Chris Statlander match. And it was the spear onto Chris Satlander when she was doing the handstand walk. Oh, yeah. I thought that was so cool. 
So also that was kind of a surprising like like that was a pretty convincing win there for Chris Statlander. Like total showcase for her. Uh yeah. winning off of that big area four fifty one splash. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely loved it. Yeah, she definitely could like I could see her against Britt Baker here in the next few months. I think that'd be really fun. So well, a little bit shorter this week, guys. Joel was our first non-themed dynamite in like five weeks. So uh, I'm going to miss all those special events. But uh, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Other Wrestling Show. You can follow us at Twitter at OWS underscore pod. You can email us at The Other Wrestling Show at gmail.com. You can get us on Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere you get Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts, we're there. Give us a follow. Give us a subscribe. That would really help us out. And uh, damn, Joel, 36 minutes. That was efficient. Oh, awesome. one last and final thing. I would be remiss Fuck. if I did not mention <laughs> the giant sign Dan Housen sign in the front row. Oh, I I think I missed that. I am not the only one who wants AEW to sign Dan Housen. Oh, well, AEW sign Dan Housen. Oh, and Joel's pulling his shirt up so we can see his T-shirt. Are you just going to wear that every time we record? I think I'm either going to be too. wearing my Dan Housen t-shirt or I'm going to be drinking from my Dan Housen coffee mug every time we record. So <laughs> just get used to that. Oh, fuck. I need a gimmick. I say fuck a lot. That would be my gimmick. <laughs> Bye, guys. All right, join Joel. the Dark Order, people. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, everybody, life's a work. Duck the clothesline. And happy wrestling. Bye.